Hello, everyone, and welcome to a gluten-free episode of the Mess All Podcast. Let's get some food, and then we'll see if we have similar tastes or disagree. It's the Mess Hall Podcast with Avery and Lena. So today's episode might be a little bit loud in the background noise, or dog is... Uh, <laughs> very active tonight but he's fun and <laughs> there's a cat right behind us and it seems like the microphones are picking up everything but most importantly we have a gluten-free episode but we have a guest today cindy welcome to the podcast again hi well thanks for having me i'm thrilled to be here great great and happy um, to have you <laughs> yeah like i said again you were on the podcast a long time ago when we when i was just interviewing people and before lena came on to the podcast so I call it the dark ages. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's great to see you again. It's great to have you on. But before we get into the episode, can you tell us a little bit about yourself again and what you have going on? And Yeah, so I'm, uh, my name is Cindy Little and I call myself the Everyday Gluten-Free Gourmet. And I'm actually a, a health educator as my, um, I work for Alberta Health Services. And I'm a foodie, of course. I've been a foodie forever. And uh, I got into gluten-free about 10 years ago when my friend was diagnosed with celiac disease, I didn't know too much about it. And I was kind of surprised because, you know, I'm a foodie. And uh, so I thought, oh, I'll just learn to make you some things. And the more I learned about it, the more I realized how difficult it really was. And so my husband built me a website and I teach some cooking classes. I still do that. They're all online now. And, uh, and then now I've just uh, created a course for people to adjust to the diet, uh, sort of more the lifestyle aspects of it. The cooking, there's still lots to learn and the whole journey is lots to learn. So it seems like everyone now knows someone who's gluten-free. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's come a long way in 10 years. So where can people find information? Where can we find the course? Where can we find you on social media and your website? Yeah. My website is Everyday Gluten-Free Gourmet. And I'm also on uh, Twitter at Little Cindy. And on Instagram at everyday.gf.gourmet. And on Facebook, Everyday Gluten-Free Gourmet. Nice. And Avery will add those to the show notes. Yeah, yeah. yeah great. So, Thanks. so if you're looking at your phone right now, just scroll down a little bit and click on those links. So what do we have? We're going to get into some food here because yep. that's most important. <laughs> well, we're actually getting into a little bit of gluten-free celiac history. So sorry okay. if you know this. So, but oh, that's great. So gluten intolerance we've known known about since the first century AD and the and celiac disease since the 17th century, but it wasn't until during World War II that the correlation between the two was discovered. And that's when the Dutch pediatrician, Dr. Willem Carol Dieke, I'm not Dutch, I hope I didn't Close. say that wrong, <laughs> noticed that, yeah, he noticed the two were connected because during the war when bread was rationed, children with celiac were they weren't suffering <laughs> and regular children were suffering and starving and then when bread was reintroduced afterward um, the symptoms returned so that was the correlation I didn't know that I didn't realize that history that seems like a long time for kid for people to be suffering <laughs> yeah yeah um, yeah it's a long time ago so we're starting off with Stella's pierogies. Um, it's based out. Of, this company is based out of Lacombe, Alberta. It well, these anyway. Most of the products, I believe, are gluten free, egg free, soy free, dairy free, <laughs> <laughs> and and they made it because 
kind of their tagline is people with restricted diets could eat fun, great tasting things that are quick to make. Because that's kind of hard when you're gluten-free and you have to make a lot of things from scratch. Now, we've talked about pierogies in the past, so I didn't go into a lot of the history, but it just seems like every country in Eastern Europe or most of the countries have their own variation, just different names. So Hungary, they're Delrelli, probably said that wrong. Poland is pierogi and the Ukraine is Peroha or Varenniski. Nope, I said that wrong. Varenniki. <laughs> it sounds like you brushed up on all your uh, Middle East. Yeah, I got <laughs> most of those European. wrong. I'm sorry, people who know the words. Um, yeah, and I guess they're different names, and I'm not trying to throw them in the whole boat, but I just the history just seems so varied. So mm-hmm. yeah, so we're gonna try them. So have you ever made homemade pierogies or like gluten free pierogies? I actually haven't. I've bought lots of them, but okay. I have not made them myself. I certainly could. There's just so many things to make when, yeah. when you can't. I mean, there's lots of things to buy too, but I'm more about making it. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there's so many things to keep trying and keep making. Yeah. So yeah. hopefully they'll be on your list. Um, <laughs> yes. I really like pierogies, so I'm looking forward to this. So, yeah, I've got a Ukrainian friend, so we've done <laughs> lots of pierogies in the past. Nice. Totally gluten filled pierogies. <laughs> But there's certainly a market for gluten-free pierogies. Lots of people mm-hmm. are. Well, I was surprised to see so many. At the, we went to Amaranth Foods and surprised to see so many different gluten-free pierogies. But this one said local, so I wanted to stick with some kind of local yeah, product. So. so what did everybody think? I really liked them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought it was great. I liked the texture. The dough was a little thicker than what I'm used to, and mm-hmm. I liked that. I couldn't taste any cheddar, though. It was cheddar style, like vegan cheddar, but... That's not a, it just tasted like potato, but it was good. Yeah, it tasted like potato. I didn't know it was cheddar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, and I agree that dough was a little bit thicker, but it was nicely cooked. You did a good job. <laughs> I followed the, <laughs> the it directions. Uh, it wasn't tough. Yeah, it was yeah. great. Good. Yeah, that's something we always try to do on the podcast is follow the directions on the package because we want it to come out like the recommended. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I again, I thought... The same as you guys, the dough was thick, but I like thick, doughy things. Mm-hmm. And they had a nice peppery flavor inside, too. So I enjoyed that. It was more flavorful than what I thought it was going to be. So, yeah, yeah, I'll say that. And I am not used to good pierogies. I'm used to like <laughs> no name brand. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing they... against no name, but so this was a, almost a bump up from what I'm used to. And yeah. I don't mind the. They were definitely Cheap better ones. than no-name pierogies. So. Which we buy all the time. We love you, no-name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gluten-free has come a long way, right? Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. lots of gluten-free available. Ten years ago, it wasn't quite as no, okay. readily available. <laughs> now we're going to bring you an ad from our sponsors. The Mess Hall Podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. This week's podcast shout-out is going to, I love this, you should too, a podcast about sharing things you like with other people you love. Regardless of how terrible you think the taste may be, hosts Indy and Samantha take turns introducing the other two beloved movies and other pieces of pulp culture. So make sure you check it out. They're a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, and you can find them on Facebook and on their Podbean website, just like my podcast, so, or our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so that, again, is I Love This, You Should Too. So what are we off to next? I'm excited for this one. Well, one, <laughs> the name is Ooh La La Bakery, and that's fun to say. And a gluten-free brownie. 
So this company is made based out of Calgary, and it's based on the fact that many gluten-free products were tasteless with poor texture and presentation. We'll see if they improved on that. <laughs> brownies. Of course, there's a lot of controversy of the origin of brownies, of course. <laughs> One of the most credible sources I've seen is from that it's from uh, Fanny Farmer. In 1905, Fanny Farmer made a similar, similar recipe to her chocolate cookie and just baked it in a rectangular pan. And a brownie. Now, there's ones that a chef added melted chocolate to biscuits, a cook that didn't have enough flour for a cake, a housewife who forgot to add baking powder to her cake, and a lot. But there's something called like a Bangor brownie, and this woman's la- nickname was Brownie, and she made something like it. So I don't know, but let's go with Fanny Farmer. <laughs> that seemed to be the best. And this brownie looks delicious. I cannot wait. It does look okay. good. That's that's good. Yeah. <laughs> it did not disappoint. It looked really good, and it's so fudgy and. Makes you say ooh la la. Yeah. (laughs) Both of these items that we had so far, if you told me it was gluten-free, it wouldn't. Like, I don't think I would comprehend it because it tastes just like regular. So I'm really glad that they're really good. Like, it's, you can't tell that it's gluten-free. I feel almost you can, but in a good way because there's not a lot of dense flour. It almost seems Mm -hmm. more like custardy, the egg or whatever is in it. And... Yeah, maybe not as chewy as some brownies are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Um, I like brownies. There's lots of different kinds of brownies. I like them all. mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Yeah. It's one of my favorite things to make, so. Yeah. But I think you could say nowadays, like compared to 10 years ago, the quality of Mm -hmm. the gluten-free stuff available is amazing. Because so many people, you know, the whole world sharing their experience and all the new different flowers available. So I think it's, yeah, it's good. It's all good. Good job. (laughs) It was good. It was really... It was delicious. And now from the sound of the air horn, we have our bonus item. We have utterly ridiculous wine and dark chocolate ice cream made out of goat's milk. So it's from Oxford County, Ontario since 2015. So they wanted to do something different with their goat farm instead of cheese or soap. So the owners named Greg and Cheryl Haskett decided on ice cream. 2% of the world's total milk supply is actually comes from goat, which I didn't know. That's quite a bit. It doesn't need to be homogenized because the tiny fat, the fat globules are pretty tiny, so they emulsify well. So we'll see how they work in ice cream. Who knew that? Yeah. yeah. It doesn't say gluten-free on it, but it doesn't say, like, but it feels like it might just be a naturally gluten-free product. But you know what? I will get you to read the label and you could see if there's something, because you would know, I think. I mean, I know you can have gluten, so that made me not worried, but I just wondered with the ingredients oh, if there was something I didn't realize because it's not on my radar. Well, the good thing in Canada is the laws are quite um, mm. specific and the labeling laws have improved over the years. So okay. it, you read all the ingredients, which, you know, yeah. if it said wheat, you would know it had wheat in it. But then it has a may contain. So it says may contains, may contain peanuts or tree nuts. Yeah. So it would have but to declare wheat. With wheat had, as well. Um, oh, yeah. I guess I didn't think of that. So. Yeah. so I'm excited. It's great to learn something on here besides <laughs> from Lena. <laughs> I don't bring any information to the show. <laughs> oh, and I wasn't sure what kind of wine, and apparently it's Ontario Merlot. It has that red wine flavor in there, too. I, I wasn't expecting it to be so forefront on the red wine flavor. You with your big words, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> it was on my word-of-day calendar. 
or run. <laughs> that was probably one of the best ice creams I've ever had. Yeah, I'd agree. But one, it possibly the no. I I'm going to say it's the best chocolate ice cream I've ever had, and I don't really mm-hmm. like chocolate ice cream. But this was I find it. I always wish there was more chocolate flavor, but this delivered. Oh yes, very chocolate. Mm-hmm. Dark, I'd yeah. say dark chocolate. I didn't catch the wine as much as you did, yeah. but um, uh, and a slight hint of goat cheese. But I might not have known that, or goat milk. I might not have known that if you didn't read it. I'm not a super taster. I just love food. I feel, (laughs) though, I'd be like, "Mm, tastes like something, but I wouldn't put it together if Mm -hmm. I didn't know. But that makes it sound, well, the first time I ever had goat's milk, I was really disappointed because I wanted to taste more like cheese, but somehow in ice cream, it tastes more like the cheese, like that tang. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I forget who said it, but the smoothness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was super smooth too. It was just it's those tiny fat salt globules. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say it was utterly delicious. Yes. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. I'm very Utter, impressed so utterly. far with the, tonight's podcast. So I mean, I guess goats. It would still be called an udder, right? I would think so. But if I they <laughs> called it utterly ridiculous, it must like the udder. Yeah, it has. To it be. has to be. <laughs> I just never really thought much about udders, and I wasn't <laughs> born on a farm and not very firmy. So, <laughs> so next up we have again another ooh la product: birthday cake donuts, and they're so fun. They're just covered in sprinkles. <laughs> so the Smithsonian Magazine. That's where I got my donut information because there was a lot out there. and Wikipedia was really sketchy. <laughs> they say that donuts came to the to Manhattan and it was then called New Amsterdam and under the name of Oli Cokes, kind of like oily cakes, Dutch name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I'm really butchering all these languages. <laughs> In the mid 1800s, his mother, Elizabeth Gregory, of her son was a ship's captain and she made donuts and they sound so amazing with nutmeg cinnamon and lemon rind to prevent Mm. scurvy and in the middle where it doesn't cook so much she filled it with hazelnuts and walnuts hence the name donut it's one story anyway i'm going with smithsonian magazine and those donuts sound so good and i want to recreate those yeah now her son hansen the captain he cut the middle out of the donut with the t- the round top of a pepper tin, um, because it it just stayed doughy in the middle. That was so he would just cut it out. So he was credited with that. Cool. And now we have gluten free ones with sprinkles. I don't know. And then finally, Tim Horton did something with the middle. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I don't. I should look up the history of sprinkles. I've never. No, <laughs> sprinkles are falling everywhere. That's a fun mess. Unless you're <laughs> the mother of a two year old having a birthday party. <laughs> I'd have to say Ula does it again. It was nice. It was fluffy. It was airy. It wasn't drowning in oil. You didn't get that from it. So I liked it. It was fluffy and airy and still dense, which Mm -hmm. I like, if that makes sense. Like that it can be all of those things. (laughs) I'm not as blown away as with the brownie, but it was really good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, No, I think it was great. Like the common complaints about gluten-free would be that it's dry and crumbly so that wasn't oh. it was moist yeah. stayed together nice and um and some flowers have like a bit of a taste and if you get the wrong combination of flour then that's sort of a t- taste that people think of as gluten-free so oh, okay. i think it's yeah. awesome that we're tasting this stuff you know when you don't have to eat gluten-free and you can say oh wow because people just wouldn't try it mm-hmm. yeah. so it's great i don't think that was dry or crumbly no, at, no, all. Not at all either the brownie too so just... mm-hmm. and are sprinkles gluten-free? Most of those Most candy okay. type 
things are gluten-free. The, the sprinkles were nice too. They weren't just like super hard, really sweet. Like they had yeah. also, they had a little crunch to them, but they were, this was in the freezer. We had to pull it out for 30 minutes before we served it. And they had a crunch, but they had flavor as opposed to just mm. decoration. Yeah, candy flavor. It was great yeah. and fun. Like you and said, and right? not like that box flavor you get from old... Um, sprinkle. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't mind sprinkles. They're fine. Yeah. <laughs> they are. These ones tasted better. Yeah, than they didn't. Regular they didn't seem stale. Probably so. high quality. Yeah. Probably yeah. high quality. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Artisanal sprinkle. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we have from Judy G a lucuma and hibiscus vanilla cake. So Judy G is also a Calgary company. We got a lo- bought a lot okay. of local without even realizing it. Now, I had never heard of lucuma. It's native to South America, Peru, and it's a fruit of the Puteria, and this is the scientific name, lucuma tree. Its flavor is said to be that of both sweet potato and butterscotch, which sounds like some sort of amazing mixture, and I'm picturing like a sweet potato butterscotch pudding. (laughs) (laughs) Its nickname is the gold of the Incas, and it's a new superfood. It has all these health benefits, often comes in powdered form and used as a substitute for sugar. This didn't make it sound so good like some of the other things. It's called egg fruit sometimes because it's dry like the yolk of a hard-boiled egg. (laughs) And I thought, I wish I hadn't read that because the other (laughs) descriptions sounded better. So it has a strawberry coulis on top. And I'm not sure if it's strawberry hibiscus coulis and then the leucoma is in the cake and fava flour or fava flour. Yeah. It smells good. I can smell the strawberries from here. So Yeah, and then just microwaved and then I spread the coulis a little on top and yeah. I think that's that for a minute. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Gluten free gluten free mug cakes or what they call them people make. Uh, yeah. Cake okay. In cake in a mug. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I've heard that word, Lucuma. But I'm thinking mm-hmm. yeah, general. It's the first I had ever heard it. So you heard of it, Avery? No. I heard of Luca. He lived on the second floor. <laughs> I'll refrain from singing the rest. <laughs> well, I'm singing it in my head for probably a couple of hours now. But. That was good. I enjoyed it. Again, just like almost everything else, it was light, airy. I don't want to say it's doughy because it's not, but it's like cakey and I like that texture. You like doughy. It yeah. was doughy, but in a good way. It wasn't yeah. uncooked or it wasn't raw, but yeah, yeah. I agree. It was, it was cooked. But it wasn't um, like light and airy, mm-hmm. yeah. But a nice texture mm-hmm. and no bean flavor at all. Which yeah. some bean flour, some ingredients or mm-hmm. recipes that people make with bean flours are you, know, you don't want bean flavor in your cake. No, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then the strawberry on top was very nice. It was, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If that's superfood, I think it'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, yeah, I'll just take, I'll just start eating that. You know, it'd be. Well, I was eating that. I was thinking, you know, it would be really good on here. Some chocolate red wine goat oh. ice cream. I was thinking some whipped cream. Coconut whipped cream? Yeah. yeah. Coconut whipped cream. Yeah, we really like coconut whipped cream in a can. There's something fun about getting it in a can, but we like the coconut one because it tastes like coconut. I don't know if you've ever had it, but. I've never had it again. I whipped. I'm um, not something like yep. lots of people who are gluten free are also dairy free, or especially for the first mm-hmm. year or two while their gut is healing. Yeah. And so whipping just the coconut um, milk. Out of keeping it in the can and whipping the thick part off yeah. the top. I've had that. Yeah, Alina's done that. Yeah, done that. Yeah. 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 
I'm coming yeah. out of a can just adds that little fun more. <laughs> Being <laughs> a kid again. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and people who eat gluten-free need all those fun elements too. Yeah. Yes. Right? <laughs> Sprinkles on the donuts. Well, I think... What Wine in their chocolate yeah. ice cream. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> that kind of fun too. Yeah. I think what we've fun. had here tonight has been terrific, but we'll do a little recap after this ad after from our sponsors. Ad. This episode is brought to you by Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider in Alberta. Offering internet, electricity, and natural gas with low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. Winter is coming and energy usage for all Albertans will be increasing. So now is a great time for listeners to look at their utility bills and ensure they are on the best plan. Albertans have a choice who they pay their utility bills to. Park Power is happy to provide free, no-obligation comparison. If you decide to switch providers, it's easy. And you can feel good knowing that you are supporting a local business and helping to give back to our communities with your utility bills. Learn more at parkpower.ca. So I'm just going to start out with this. I think there's there's a lot of misconceptions with gluten-free foods. And I think this just changed any misconceptions I had. It was yeah. Just, it was terrific. It was awesome. Good. I think so too. I think people who live gluten-free um, ha- deal with all those misconceptions by everyone else. Mm-hmm. And, and it, you know, it doesn't always help. It doesn't, it's not really yeah. supportive, right? Like, oh, it's gluten-free, like it's inferior. Yeah. And yeah. it doesn't have to be. And many things are naturally gluten-free. You know, there's chocolate mm-hmm. lava cake that's naturally gluten-free. And people will say, well, I've never tried that because I don't have to eat gluten-free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, there's yeah. lots of things that are gluten-free naturally. Yeah. And then nowadays there's lots of excellent gluten-free foods you can buy and make. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, most of these were desserts except for the pierogies, but I wasn't missing the gluten. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. exactly. And sometimes you think gluten-free healthy. This was not healthy stuff. <laughs> yeah. No, gluten-free doesn't mean healthy. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah, so definitely fun. Not one thing was bad. No. Everything was... I'm really going back to the pierogies and that texture and a little bit thicker and... I really liked that. I want to say toothsome. I keep using that word and I'm not toothsome. sure I'm using it right. Yeah, no, I think <laughs> so. that's a good word, toothsome. I've done those progies, Stella's progies on the barbecue Ooh. Uh, with uh, kubasa uh, and green onions and sour cream and the mustard uh, dressing and really good. Oh, um, we, we just ate and I'm starving again. <laughs> we were having dessert and now we're talking about progies again. <laughs> Well, when you describe them like that, there's nothing wrong with <laughs> yeah. talking about pierogies more. Um, but that brownie also is up there. I can't bes- yeah. decide what was my favorite, if it was the brownie or the pierogi. They're such different things that it's hard. Right. To, yeah. You don't have to limit yourself to brownie mm-hmm. or ice cream. I don't know. And then ice cream. Oh, everything was good. <laughs> and I do. Yeah. What, what, what stood out for you, Cindy? <laughs> Um, I've not had the ooh la la brownie, so that was great. I've, well, I've not had the cake either, so that was, uh, it was all good. Well, we got things at the Bonesian Grocery down in Boness, and it's closing off. It's closed now, so that was a little sad, an iconic grocery store, but we did get... We did get some things before they closed down, I think. I'm glad we got local stuff without knowing it, too, though. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. there is lots of um, local... Uh, products available and companies so it's good to support them yeah so even though when larger companies do sell things um you know the people in who are who living gluten-free need to support the smaller companies mm-hmm. to keep them in business too so yeah I, I definitely would go out of my way to get that brownie again so. yeah <laughs> so um, what did you think well brownie yeah brownie the ice cream was good the donut was really good too and 
everything was good. The cake was really good. I, good. I don't know if I have a favorite, and I don't. <laughs> I definitely don't have something that was like I never want to try again. Everything was. And you yeah. were just randomly bought a selection of mm-hmm. gluten free products, so that's good news, right? Like people, yeah. you know, still have that. Yeah, idea. we look for stuff that there's a lot of naturally gluten free out there, but we wanted stuff that was made gluten free. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So like the brownie or the yeah. cake or the donut. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. great. So good um, job on the shopping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Usually we just ask, have you made anything good lately at the end of the episode? But what are some of your favorite gluten-free things to make? I make brownies. I make cheesecake <laughs> brownies. Ooh. I love. And uh, and I make lots of muffins and cookies. I love cookies. Mm-hmm. I notice I have 17 different cookie recipes on my website. Ooh. Nice. A short <laughs> on the cakes. But, um, so, yeah, I like to make cookies because cookies are actually very challenging. So there was quite a few years that I... Couldn't make cookies, couldn't figure out why are they so much harder. But um, I learned, you know, all the different kinds of foods that you cook. So cookies would be high sugar and high fat, mm-hmm. cook in a short amount of time. So there's just some differences in the chemistry of making, of baking a cookie. Okay. So I. Now those things, I, I think just baking regular stuff, I think cookies would be so easy, but it's interesting that it's a harder thing to make. So Yeah, no, lots of people will show a picture of they had all their cookies on the cookie sheet and it's just all one big sheet cookie. Yeah, yeah I've my challenge is making egg-free cookies. I can make egg-free other stuff, but I do cookies or so. I've made that one cookie. Yeah, yeah. so it's a bit of a science, right? Yep. And then when you put gluten-free flour, there's like 20, at least 20 gluten-free flours. Yeah. So, of course, they're going to react differently. And you don't know, Some sometimes the recipe will just say gluten-free flour. You don't know what they use. Yeah. Oh, and, okay. And, of yeah. course, people have challenged, people are challenged with baking in the first place, just with regular mm-hmm. wheat flour baking. So, if you if you were not too comfortable baking, then you started baking gluten-free Oh, yeah. It's more a little more stressful, and then you pay a lot of money and throw it all in the garbage. That's yeah. disappointing. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't make you want to go make cookies again next week. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So anyway, that's how I got into it. To you know, I can help people learn to cook gluten free at home. That's more my uh, my angle. Nice. But if you're lazy and just want to buy something, we've just had some products here. I don't <laughs> want to say lazy. No, everyone needs. That's just you it. You need a convenience that, if you. Yes, absolutely. And it, it. I mean, it's a treat to buy something that someone else made. Mm-hmm. Just yes. like it's a treat to go to a restaurant and have them make something yeah. that you could make at home too. Mm-hmm. So, gluten-free people need that too. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Looks like you got something in your mind over no, there. No, I was thinking <laughs> you were going to say something. <laughs> no. Um, Selena, you have anything good to eat this week? Oh well, my mother is up and she made her cabbage rolls. So cabbage rolls. <laughs> Yeah. I heard your mother was up and she made spaghetti and meatballs. <laughs> yeah, that, and is that was that your thing that you had? Yeah, that that, those were good. Yeah, <laughs> good. Yeah. So, Cindy, do you want to and tell us all about your website? And, wait, doesn't she uh, get to say if she ate anything I, I guess lately? So. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, just those two things sound like sort of comfort food. And <laughs> this week I made uh, my mom's chili. Well, I call oh. it my mom's chili. The recipe's been revised a bit, but uh, it was it was something I really enjoyed this week. I haven't had it for a long time. Nice. And, uh, yeah. And of course, it's gluten-free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So can you tell us all about your website, your cooking classes again? Yeah. So I do uh, you know, two or three public classes a month. 
And you can visit my website and look at the class calendar. I also do private classes and there's information's all there on the website. So I've done, during COVID, I did some family classes, people from across the country. That was kind of fun. Nice. Or across North America, I should say. Oh. And, uh, and I've done some birthday party classes for kids. Oh, fun. And, and then now the course, which is not really the cooking part, but more the lifestyle part. Mm-hmm. And when you are first gluten-free, it's so overwhelming. There's so much to learn. Just reading the labels to buy your food every single day is a huge learning curve. But that's just the beginning of it. There's still the health part of it and the social part of it. And, and, uh, and then the healing part of it. Not everyone, you know, gets better right away as soon as they go on a gluten-free diet. Mm-hmm. So it can be a long journey for many people. And by the time they get diagnosed, it usually has been several years. I think the average is seven or 11 years or something oh, before mm-hmm. people get diagnosed. So, um, yeah, it's usually quite a long journey. So uh, I, with my education background, health education, and then my love of food, that's how those two things came together. So that's also available on my website. So the course is called Healthy Me, and it's a video. As soon as you register, you can download nine video modules, and the Healthy Me stands for all the different areas of that make up a lifestyle. Nice. And your website again is? Everyday Gluten-Free Gourmet. Awesome. When you said healing, I just kind of, in my mind, I was like emotional healing from all the food you'd have to give up. And I would think people, like, in my mind, I'm like, that's ridiculous. But I'm like, I would probably have to heal emotionally if I had to give up a lot of things and change a lot of things. It's mm. it's change, right? Yeah. It's It's just like, you know, you move to a different area and you don't know where the grocery store is or the dry cleaner, like just yeah. simple things, right? <laughs> so all of a sudden, a trip to the grocery store can be traumatic. Mm. And you still got to eat. Everyone in your house has to eat. You all have to figure out how that's going to work. And everyone's situation is so different. People travel for work, or they oh, used yeah. to. <laughs> and and uh, so there's just so many nuances to it. And then same with family. Not all family, you know, mm-hmm. are, do embrace it as easily or say, I'll try and understand. Or the cross contact is huge, right? Yeah. You know, you probably mm-hmm. have some crumbs in your cutlery drawer, and an old cutting board that's got, you know, cuts in it. So yeah. people can't can't eat food. They can't use those. They can't um, use cutlery out of a drawer like that and use a cutting board. So there's so much. Um, yeah. And I've heard of people not understanding me like, oh, you, you don't need to eat gluten-free and adding it to stuff and not letting, like not telling people. I've heard of that a couple of times before. And then the person, of course, doesn't feel good and they don't know why because why would their loved one do that gluten but i've heard of that case yes it actually it happens at school too so food bullying food bullying is a real thing right so allergic living magazine is a um, a great resource for people with any restricted diet gluten-free celiac disease and all kinds of food allergies and they talk about that there Hmm. and so then it creates anxiety and yeah i've heard of that with peanuts and stuff yes yeah Yeah. in school you hear about that Mm -hmm. sadly but, uh, so, I mean, you know, certainly the message is getting out a little bit more, um, and lots of people do have different food allergies, yeah. but gluten is just so prevalent in our society mm-hmm. that it's hard to get away from. So thank you so much for doing this podcast and raising awareness of no problem. It was gluten-free. And it was definitely fun for us. So, yeah, Well, great. I don't know about food. Lena, but I won't speak for her, but it was fun for me. So. Her dishes are all empty, so I think she's okay. <laughs> <laughs> like a cloud over me, am I? <laughs> no, everything was delicious. Well, if you need to eat more gluten-free. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, great. Cindy, great. Thanks for having, thanks for being on. It was 
fun to have you here. But yeah, thanks yeah. so much for doing all that. That's great. Well awesome. Yeah. Keep, Keep on, on eating. eating. <laughs>